0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Well, good morning, church. So good to see you. Hey, can we greet all the folks who are at home, because of the snow, we, no shame, we love you. Come on, give, give them a shout. We love you so much. But I do have to say, we've got the donuts, you don't. So that's just the way it is. So <clears throat> what, what, a, what a great time. It's so good to have Nathan here with us and, and just be worshiping together as a, as a church family and just so appreciate kingdom relationships like that. Um, I Real quick, let me address the elephant in the room. I'm wearing glasses today. I normally don't. Um, I wear contacts, and so I thought, hey, I'll wear glasses. But as I was trying to figure it out if I should or not, I was like, uh, my, my daughter and son are home from college for the weekend. And so I was like, Ellie, what do you think? Like, should I wear glasses? And I'm like, look, should I wear glasses? Now look, let me take them off. And I took them off, and she goes, Dad, I know what your face looks like. I'm like, okay, can I put them back on. Let's. Totally fine. But I was like, but what if, though? What if I look, it's like a Superman, Clark Kent kind of thing, and you're like, there's a stranger in the house. I'm like, it's just Dad, see? It's just me. So anyway. Uh, so I have glasses on today. So there you go. That's what you're going you're gonna to get. So anyway. Um, that's great. Did not know that I would get an applause, but I'm super happy for that. Um, this Wednesday, a reminder, we do a prayer meeting the first Wednesday of every month right here, 6.30. Let me invite you to come out and pray. We're going to be seeking God together. We're going to be seeking God for what he has for us. We're going to be praying for our community. We're going to be praying for one another. So 6.30 to 7.30, it's going to be a great time to be together. And if I, I just want to ask you, just arrange your schedule so you could be here. This is so important for us as a church, a praying church, as a church that's making a significant impact. And so let's gather together and do that 6.30 on Wednesday. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we've been in a series that has really been mapping out God's design for our church. But as you've heard me say before, uh, many times it's, it's the the design of a pastor for a church or a design of a of a group of people for a church. But what we've established in this series is that no pastor shed a drop of blood for the salvation of his church. Amen? No, No elders did. No leader did. Jesus did. And therefore, the church belongs to Jesus Christ. He's the great shepherd. Anyone serving his body is under shepherds. So, When 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 you ask the question, "Hey, what's the vision for the church?" or Jason, "What's your vision for the church?" as I've said, who gives a rip what my vision is for the church? Because it's not mine. And so, as a leader of the church, we want to lean in and go, "What is God's design for the church?" And lo and behold, the Bible tells us. Isn't that amazing? It's so amazing. So we've been leaning in and saying, "Okay, God, we want to we want to align with who you are and your purposes. Not only for us as a church, but my heart is for you, for you as those that God has put in my family and I'm in your family as a church." And so we've been we've been looking at this. And so there is a biblical life cycle for a church. And so we've come up with these Bs, these 4 Bs and It's believe, which we should have the cycle of, yeah. So this is when someone, uh, one of the things we do is we became a part of the church because we believed and then we belonged. And then part of it is we become like Christ for the purpose of building the kingdom in our community, in our lives, in our world, so that then we can be a part of helping people believe in Christ. We can help people belong in our church. We can help people become a wholehearted follower of Jesus, and then we can build the kingdom together so that then we can help people, say it with me, believe, we can help people belong. Say it with me, help people belong, we can help people become and help people build. And this is the biblical life cycle. You see it in the New Testament, you see it in the book of Acts. This is the model for churches that we are a part of doing these things, but we are called as a church to help people do these things, to believe, to belong, to become, and to build the kingdom of God. Amen? And we want to see God's kingdom built here in our midst, but also in our community. And so this is the life cycle. And so we've looked at believe, we've looked at belong as we're a family. And today I want to talk about becoming. I want to talk about helping people become wholehearted followers of Christ. We have been in a a church age where a person's life or someone wholeheartedly following Jesus hasn't always been the focus. It's been, you know, it's been a lot about attractional and consumer where, where the churches are are positioned and decisions are made based off of the consumer of the church. So you can get butts in the seats, and so we, we create things for consumers. But the church of Jesus Christ is called to transform people's lives, amen? The church is designed by God to help people on the journey so they can become kingdom builders. And so we want to align ourselves with that, that we don't want to just be a place where people gather. We want to be a place where people's lives are transformed, where people's hearts are, are encountered with the presence of God, where they are, they are spoken to from God's word and, and things are given to them that we together as a family are growing and building and reaching. There is no, the, the, the mission of the church Attracting other believers to our church is not the mission of the church, but reaching and serving and saving the lost, that's Jesus's mission for the church, amen? And so we're coming back to this place of a biblical foundation. And so we're built for this, Jesus is building us. And so today, this is the challenge. There's gonna be a challenge to, to all of us today as we respond to this, but Ephesians 4, as Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, he says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we are being built up together by Christ as a church towards what's called maturity. You could also say maturity is wholeheartedly following Jesus Christ. When Cheryl and I got married, she used to do this thing that really annoyed me. Nothing she does anymore annoys me. I said when we first got married, I... I, I was kind of saved, but now I'm saved. And she was do this thing that annoyed me. And once I tell you, you're, you're going to probably have to process it and not look at my wife differently. But this is what she would do. She would give me directions while I'm driving when I didn't ask her. I know. Can we just extend our hands towards Cheryl right now? Lord, we... <laughs> And I didn't like it. I thought it was annoying. I was like, let me make the decision. I want to I make the decision which road we're going to take. I'm going to park in the parking spot I'm going to park in. Amen. I got an amen down in the front row. <clears throat> and then this one was the, was the biggest one. We park. And then she'd ask, why didn't we park there? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But my point is this. All of us have this inside of us where we kind of want to plow our own little row. Cheryl's trying to help me and be helpful like a good wife and spouse should. But it revealed in me pride, independence, and it brought some stuff up in in my own heart. But we, as Christians, we all want to do our own thing. And we don't really like people telling us what to do. Is there anybody here who likes to be told what to do? Okay, a couple of us. Okay, that's fine. How many here, you independent people, how many here do not like to be told what to do for the most part? Raise your hand. All right. Okay, this is all of us. And when it, when it comes to being a follower of Jesus, that's something, our independence is something we have to surrender in order to be in unity with him. Just like I wasn't in unity with Cheryl because I was all weird and prideful, I had to humble myself. The same for us. People love, especially here in Colorado, a lot of independent people here. I I love it. People come here to escape, to let me do my own thing, leave me alone, give me the mountains, and I'm just going to do my own thing. But people love this idea of independence. But the very design of the biblical church is not independence, it's interdependence. And so we love like the quotes from Robert frost, the two roads diverged in a wood, and I took one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And we like that idea. Or by Henry Thoreau, if a man does not keep pace with his companions, perhaps it is because he hears a different drummer. And here, here's, about, here's the reality about us. We all think we hear our own drummer, and it's, and it's us, and it's our independent, it's how we're shaped or, William Henley said this, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. This is in the heart of all of us, this independence, and we like it. And society continues to disconnect from group associations even more and more today. And this independent culture and mindset is seen even in the hearts of families and my family and I would bet your family it's not uncommon for a family to be in the same room, to be together, but be independently engaged on their phones with someone or something else somewhere else. Think about it. You're all in a room together. Everybody is engaged with somebody somewhere else, with something else, because we're independent. We want to live our own lives. And so, instead of us living, most of us, instead of us living the we life, much of us wanna live the me life, the I life, the my way, my path, my need, my preference. And this same cultural independence, the same reality has deeply influenced how we view becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus. It's skewed, it's how, how we have interpreted This is what it means now based from our independence. Now, there's nothing wrong with independence, but there is something that when it comes to following Jesus wholeheartedly, it's not just you, Jesus, and your Bible, and you praying. It's not you and Jesus on a mountain somewhere. It's not you and Jesus in your car worshiping. God has done something, and how he achieves this wholeheartedness is through the local church. As you look into the biblical text, though, it's, you'll find that Christians who are growing, who are becoming like Jesus, more like Jesus, you'll find this reality, that Christianity is not for loners or individualists. It's not. That's not how God designed it. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about how when we become a follower of Jesus, he sets us in a family. It's a family thing. It's a together thing. And God calls us to become a part of his family and his people. And when Jesus called his disciples, he was calling, yes, to follow him, but he, and follow him in relationship, but it was in relationship with him and with others. They were called independently, but then they became his disciples, they became a part of something. And God's purpose for the church, and what, I, what God has really put a burden on my heart for us as a church moving forward is to, is to return everything and to always keep everything in the purest of what the scriptures speak to regarding the direction of who we are as a church family. Because according to the, to the Bible, God's purpose for the church for church life, is to display His nature and His character through us. That when others would look at us, they would say, hey, that's what God's family is like, and that's what God is like. There's an interdependence there that really, in times of crisis or need, we all need one another. And so we do this, though, by displaying His character. We do this through obedience to God's Word and our relationship with Him, but like the disciples with our relationship with one another. So God therefore sent his son and Jesus came and the last commandment that we have from Jesus is go and make disciples. And this is what we're talking about today, becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus and not just becoming one, helping others to become one. So the lives of of these people, that this Jesus is speaking, the the disciples, are Christ, they they are called by Jesus, come and follow me. But now he says, now you go and make disciples. In other words, those who are called by Jesus should be dedicated to helping others follow Jesus. A lot of times in our Western church, it's this idea that actually, no, the, the, the pastor helps people follow Jesus. And the leader helped follow Jesus. But really, there is this beautiful, powerful call to every believer that God has tasked us together to also help other people follow Jesus. And so these making disciples, what it means to be a disciple means to make disciples. So the lives of followers of Jesus, I want you to catch this for a moment, is twofold. It's not one, it's twofold. It's we follow, but we also lead. And we receive love, but we also love. We're discipled, but then we're also called to disciple others. So we're, we're discipled by church leaders and pastors and teachers within the church that God's placed us in. But we're also discipling others in the church in, in, the, in our relationships with, with one another. And so we are being conformed into the image of Christ. So we are leaning in and saying, God, we want you to change us. We want you to conform us. Part of that, part of that conforming is also, God, I want you to, to, to help me to speak into someone else's life and help them along this journey together. And we're helping others become more conformed into the image of Christ Jesus. And I know this may not be super like, wow, this is amazing and this is flashy and what, you know, I don't have any like sound bites and one-liners on this, but it's this idea that we as believers, not only are we giving our lives to follow Jesus, following Jesus means telling others about how to follow Jesus. And together as a church, we are walking in this new season for us, a path that leads to life and we're helping each other and we're helping those Jesus adds to our church to become wholehearted followers of Jesus. Now this is what Jesus said. He said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the main fruit of this transformed heart is care for one another. Care for those in our church. The Apostle Paul says, do good to all people, but especially to the household of believers. Matthew 12, one of the teachers of the law came to Jesus and says, came to her, he came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one. So this, this is, this is his answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So you love others. And we, we, we hear this a lot. We're called to love. we we'll say God is love. But we have to ask the question, who defines what love is? Who articulates what it means to love? If it's you and I, then we're going to have a differing, a, a differing understanding of that. But we serve a God who has defined it. And so in this context of helping others become like Christ, you love others best by helping them become a wholehearted follower of Jesus. And you are loved best when someone is helping you become a wholehearted follower of Jesus. And love for God is, is fundamental to us loving one another and loving our neighbor. Love for God must express itself in love for one another. This is coming back to the heart of the the early church. It's coming back to the heart of, of us together. So many times we can come to church and leave church. We can be a part of this church family and leave, but we never express or show or are a part of loving one another. Yes, we're busy. Yes, all those things are, are there, but what would it look like for all of us to understand, hey, I'm a part of this church and part of who I am as I'm growing to become a wholehearted follower of Jesus more and more. Who am I speaking into? Who am I helping along this journey? An illustration I've heard years ago talked about that all of us need a, uh, an apostle Paul in our life, a, a Paul who speaks into us. We also need a a Barnabas who is equal with us. Ironing, sharpening, iron. But but we also, which so many people forget, we need a Timothy. We need somebody that through your journey you can speak into their life. Through your journey you can help them. This is the life of a a believer. We're, We're receiving instruction. We're working it out with someone together, and we're pouring in to someone else. This is the life cycle. This is, if, this is the New Testament model. And if we want New Testament results, it's important that we lean into the New Testament model that God has called each one of you with a deep call to make a difference in someone's life, to speak into them. Most of the time, the enemy lies to us and says, well, you don't know how to disciple or you're not, you better get your life in order first before you can speak into someone else. And some of that maybe might be true. But the fact is this, you can always help someone on a journey to become more like Christ. And what if all of us made a decision? All right, I'm going to be a part of helping someone else become a wholehearted follower of Jesus. What would that look like for us? I think it'd be a lot of fun. But what would that look like for our church? What would that look like for us? Next week, over the next two weeks, I'm going to be talking about building the kingdom and practically how we're going to be doing this in this new season. How are we going to build the kingdom of God in our community? How are we going to reach the people around us? How are we going to disciple one another and also others? So that you could say this way, the Christian life is the discipled life and the discipling life. I really believe, man, if people understood this, that one, there'd be a lot more disagreements in churches across the world. That if we were, we were busy being discipled, and then how do I apply this into someone else's life? There'd be a lot less disagreements. Nobody would care what the color of the wall is or the, or the, the Christmas tree, or should you have one? Should you not have one? Should, why? Why, because we would be laboring And the kingdom together to build the kingdom. Because this is the heart of God. The New Testament church, this is what you see. So our motivation to continue to be discipled and to disciple others, though, stems from this reality that we love God. We love him. So it flows from this, this understanding. I'm a follower of Jesus. And so we follow the one who has called us together. And he places us together in a church family and we follow him together because we love him. But also we love him because what John said in 1 John four nineteen we love because he first loved us. God so loved the world, he sent, so he loves people. And then when he talks about the church, those who have put their faith and believe in him, then they belong to his family. He's what, he, then he says, I mean, think about this. We are the bride of Christ. So there is an extra care and an extra understanding and love that he has for the church. And he invites us to be a part of speaking into other people's lives to serve them, to help them, to help them along their journey. The first place, really, that Christians, according to the scriptures, should ordinarily look to be discipled and to disciple is through the fellowship of the church that God has placed them in. It's where he's called us to be. He has set you in a family, and just like any family, there are some people you don't like, but guess what, they're still your family. Don't point any fingers, but they're still your family. We are family, and God has set us here together. God's done miracles in our midst together. God's, God's, we've seen people come to Christ together. We're baptizing 30-something next, you know, next week. And this is all because of what we are doing as a family and what God is doing through us. So this is, this is the understanding of the life cycle of the church. And so when I want you to think about this as well. In turn, when Jesus told the disciples, hey, I want you to go. Now I've discipled you for three years. You walk with me. We've hung out. I've shared with you some things, you've said some real stupid things, but I still love you. But this is what, I want you now to go and make disciples of nations. So how did they do this? Well, they went to other nations and they first led people to Christ, then they planted a church and then that church understood being a disciple means discipling someone else, reaching someone else. The church for many years has been focused on evangelism and it's great and we should and that's what believe is. It's evangelism. But what would it look like for us to disciple people? What would it look like in the marriages in our community? What would it look like in our families? What would it look like in our children? How would that manifest itself in our schools? What would that look like for our police officers who are being discipled? to be a a wholehearted follower of Jesus. What would that look like for our teachers? What would that look like if we understood and we began to engage in this? And so this is where where I believe and what I believe the scriptures teach regarding what it means to be a follower. So yes, there are individual missionaries and evangelists. that go out into the world and they go preach at places, yes, I think the missionaries and the evangelists truly that transform a a community and a society, they go out into the office, into the school, into the neighborhood, whether on the side of the globe or right here. And this is what this is how the church primarily fulfills the Great Commission. Listen, I've spent a lot of years. I am a missionary at heart. I love the nations. I love, I love ethnicities. I love cultures. I like weird food. I like, I like it all. But I'm not in Japan. And I'm not in the UK. And many times we can become obsessed with a, a nation somewhere else. And, it, it, and we're like, oh, we pray for that nation when God has set you right here. He's set us in this community. He's called you to be right here. He has positioned your, your life, your job. He has sovereignly brought the people around you for a purpose because he believes in you and entrusts in you because he has set you on a hill to be a light in the midst of darkness and to help people find Christ and grow in their relationship with him. You have a purpose, you have a calling. And it may not be a podcast, it may not be a book, it may not be a stage, but your calling is still the same as every believer. It's to help people wholeheartedly follow Jesus while yourself is growing and learning how to be a wholehearted follower of Christ. And so we are called to do this. We exist to help people become a wholehearted follower of Jesus through our church. It's through our church. It's, it's, it, many people will say, you know, oh, I'm discipled by this guy because I watch his YouTube. Listen, that guy doesn't know you. And nobody that's receiving his teaching knows you either. You are, you are a lone ranger. You're a loner and you're, you're a, an individualist. And God has more for us. So our biblical purpose as a church is to be equipped and inspired and encourage all of us together to care for others, to help them grow and us together fulfill God's purpose and call for our lives. It's 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 so important that we understand this. And so, let me ask you a question today. And this is not to shame or condemn, but this is just The reality, and those joining us online, who are you helping become a wholehearted follower of Jesus? Have we become so insulated that we're not really doing what disciples do? We're going where disciples go, but are we doing? And this is an encouragement, this is a challenge for all of us, such a challenge for me. And yes, of course, in our, in our families, and our children, yes, we are discipling, we are modeling. But there are people in this church who would love for you to speak into their life, who would love for you to say, hey, you want to go grab a cup of coffee? Who would love for you to say, hey, what did, what did that sermon say to you? let me share with you what it said to me. Let's sit down. Let's talk about this. Some of you older dads, there's some younger dads there who would love for you to say, hey, let's grab some time. I want to talk to you about how you're doing. I'm like, let, let me talk to you about the journey. Let, let me talk to you about what for, you know, what's going on in my life, what I've learned. And hey, let me tell you some of my mistakes and, this, this, we think discipleship always is this kind of rigid, formal thing, which it can be. But in all reality, in the discipleship from believers, it's actually caring about other people in your life, talking to them. So it can look many different ways, but helping others become followers of Jesus, it's definitely this one word, it is intentional. It's very Intentional. And so you can use meals to disciple. Invite people into your life. You can invite them over for dinner. This is what church does. If you look at the New Testament church, they gathered, they listened to the apostles' teaching, then they would gather together, they'd share meals together, they would talk about Jesus together, then Jesus would add to their numbers, and then guess what? They would talk with them about Jesus and grow, and they would grow together, and then they would reach out and, and reach people through sharing Christ and also discipling people. This is the twofold reality of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and it's not always flashy and sexy and, ooh, wow, look, at it's not always cool, but I'll tell you this, it's productive, and it builds the kingdom of God, and it's God's design for church to do this very thing. And it's, uh, it's challenging, it's uncomfortable, that's why maybe we're quiet this morning. I, it's uncomfortable, you're like, I don't, I don't want to do that, I'm not going to do that one. And that's okay. We should say, I don't want to do that. Lord, help me, because I want to. Not in our strength, in his grace in our life. So it is intentional. And so... This year, we want to find these places. How can we speak into someone else's life? You can also begin discipling someone who doesn't know Jesus by just actually caring about them and inviting them over your house and just having a conversation with them, saying, hey, um, how can I pray for you? I'm a Christian. There's, there is this connection. We have been called by God. And this is something that has haunted me my whole life. That I would, in my own humanity, my own independence, my own arrogance, miss out on the life that God really had for me. Because something was uncomfortable. The nations, our neighbors, this city, belongs to Christ. We are his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. So we can build. Amen. So for us as a church, just some practical things. And then I want to just, we're going to move into something a little different. But where we as a church are committed to help you and us together, all of us as leaders, to become wholehearted followers of Jesus. So how do we do it? One our gathering really matters. Our gathering together to worship, hear the same word together, to be challenged together. There's just something special about you all when we gather. It's listen, I you know, I can I, I can meet with God privately, but when I meet with God with you, my family, it's different. It's just different. And so we allow the Holy Spirit to move, and this is part of how we are shaped and, and discipled. But also, we have our faith groups that I encourage you when you lead today be a part of a faith group that's growing, that's, that helps you to grow. Your, your, the understanding is you're joining to be discipled and to also disciple others. Starting actually the, the Sunday after Easter, as we're going to be launching three adult Sunday school classes before service, and they're going to be focused on parenting, marriage, and biblical studies. It's a place we want to equip you for you to be a part. And in that, you're going to have no other people. And you're going to be discipled and be discipling them. Next week, I'm going to be sharing with you some some practical things we're going to be doing this year that are going to help us to to, to get outside our box, to begin to say, hey, let's go serve people together. And this is what it means to serve. David Wells, in in a book... Uh, He wrote, called Above All Earthly Powers, Christ in the Postmodern World. He writes this. It's very easy to build churches in which seekers congregate. It's very hard to build churches in which biblical faith is maturing into genuine discipleship. I, 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 I will confess, there have been times in my own journey and ministry with God that I thought success was butts in the seats. But butts in the seats with no genuine discipleship and no genuine, like, life together and, and speaking to someone's life as a, as a community does nothing for generations. I'm, I'm talking about your conversation, someone you're discipling. Listen, you're, you're talking about two generations that's going to make an impact. You won't even be around. And most people in a lot of ministry and just in life in general are more concerned about our our name being elevated than actually thinking the long game. And let's invest in what what will be in two generations from now. And so this is the life he invites us. So for us as a church, this is a, a passage that speaks What I believe God is doing here, and this is Paul writing the church in Colossae, he says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. This is for us, that, that God's heart for you and for me and for us together, that we would be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus means you are desiring to become everything that he's called you to be. Everything that he's called you to be. And you know what that requires? That requires daily surrender. Daily surrender. And daily surrender is not always fun. That's why it's called surrender. That's why Paul, Paul associates that with this, crucify your flesh daily. That means it's not fun crucifixion of your flesh is not fun, but this is what it means. Now it's not just, it's not just surrendering in a negative way. When you surrender, you actually find freedom that you thought whatever you were, whatever you were holding on and not surrendering, you thought that gave you freedom. You thought that gave you life, but actually as you surrender it to Jesus, you realize it was counterfeit. That as you surrender, you receive now real life. You receive real freedom. You receive a, the, the understanding of the gospel fresh and new. But followers of Jesus are not perfect. We're just people who surrender our own wills and our own desires every day of our life. And this is what it means to be wholehearted. Doesn't mean perfect. But we are about, we are, we're not about perfection, but we are about progress in. Being conformed to the image of Christ. All of us have a different starting place. All of us are at a different at a different place, but God wants us to step into something fresh and new in our lives and give you a purpose, and give you this understanding that you, you don't you don't just come to church to do church. You actually are, you are the church that is doing the work of the ministry within the church, within other people's believers' lives, but it's with first the people God's called you to be a part of. And then from there, God uses you in other places. But as you as a member of our church, our church meaning our family together, I'm a member, you're a member, we have a calling by God to speak into other people's lives, to disciple and to be discipled. And what keeps us, though, from fulfilling, and I've, I've, I've experienced in my life, of the fullness or experiencing the fullness of what God has and becoming like Him is simply we withhold areas of our lives from Him. We all do it. I do it. You do it. The book of Hebrews speaks to this reality that we're running this race. And this race is to become more like Christ. And for him to use us, for us to make a difference, where we are pursuing him. So it speaks to this reality that we are, we, we are in, in, a, in, in a journey, in a race, and it speaks to the reality that we can be hindered from what God has for us. You know, our church can be hindered from what God has for us. Your personal life can be hindered from what God has for you. And so the writer of Hebrews says this, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. This is a throwing off. This is a surrender. This is what it means to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus, to be pursuing that. It's about surrender. I came across a, an illustration this week, and if my son Seth can bring me. Thank you. It says illustration of the Knights Templar when they were baptized, they were baptized. And they held their sword out of the water. So the rest of them would be baptized, but not the sword. And it was signifying, Jesus, you can have all of me, but not my sword. Because I'm going I'm to use it for where I want to use it. It represents who I am. It represents my identity. It represents all the things about my life. This is what I'm known for. And so they would hold it out. I'll go to war with whoever I want to go to war you can have everything else but they held this out of the water all of us hold something out of the water we say god you can have you can have this you can have that and but i'm I, i'm not going i'm my career is my career my sexuality is my sexuality my money is my money we, we all hold things out of the water. Some of it we hold, no that makes me uncomfortable so you can't have that, you can have all this other. And to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus, even in our brokenness, even in our addictions, it's saying, Lord, take it all. I want to be a follower. I want to be wholehearted. I love the passage that says that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth, seeking a heart that puts its sword in the water, that is fully committed to me. Seeking a heart that's fully turned towards me. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to become. So I I don't know what it is today that you're holding out of the water. But the Holy Spirit does. You do. Maybe it's a secret sin. Maybe it's an identity thing. I don't know what it could be. Maybe it's what you're known for. But Jesus invites you today to take a step, all of us, to take a step closer to be a wholehearted follower. Maybe it's, and this is the truth, maybe it's God calling you to do something else in ministry. When Cheryl and I were in England, the Lord spoke to us to put England in the water, and we said, no, 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 uh uh-uh, no, God, you brought us here supernaturally, why in the world would you be calling us to go back to Colorado, and things are going so great here, and he just, it was simply just, just obey me. And we like to know the why, we like to know the outcomes, we like to know, yes, but what about this, and what about that, and what about, how many know that God just says, obey me, come, follow me. You don't see any narrative where Matthew was like, can you just explain exactly what that means, and what am I going to have to give up, and, or Peter, you, know, you, you don't see Peter having this dialogue. and. Jesus, before I, I sign this contract, can you just, uh, can we just, I just have some, some clarification? No, just trust him. And I believe for us as a church, that is the first step of us really taking this step of surrender and then allowing God to use us. What is it that you're holding out of the water? Is it alcohol? Is it weed? What is it? What is it that you, you're like, no, I, I can't, I can't. I, I, I've given up 99%. And then you rationalize, well, I can't really give that to him because it, it, all, this, all this kind of narrative stuff that goes on, the Holy Spirit says today, put it in the water. Put it in the water. Maybe it's a a wrong attitude towards a a generation. Maybe it's a wrong attitude towards a people group. Maybe it's a wrong attitude towards somebody. No, no, I'm I'm keeping this out of the water. And the Lord says, put it under the water. And so I want to invite you today, whatever that is, Whatever the Holy Spirit's revealing to you today. Is it your status? Whatever. Pride, time, convenience. Put it under the water. And let's today take a step together as a wholehearted follower. Of Jesus, And this is what I know. You're going to have to put it under the water every day and maybe several times a day. But God's grace and his kindness was given to you to bring healing to you, to restore to you, to remove condemnation. God's purposes and plans for you are good. So let's put it under the water and trust Him with the outcome. Obedience is our responsibility, outcome is God's. Let's pray. Father, we wanna thank you today for what you're doing. Lord, we wanna take the step at becoming a wholehearted follower of you. Lord, today we wanna surrender all things to you. Could be a relationship of a boyfriend and girlfriend, even could be a fiance. God, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, reveal it to us right now and give us the grace to surrender. Could be your position in ministry To be your house. Put it under the water and let God dictate your steps. So, Lord, today we give it all to you. We surrender, take us and use us to accomplish your will and your purposes, even when it's uncomfortable. We put it under the water. If you're here today, just remain with your heads. Bow for a moment. But if you're here today and you do not know Jesus, and you've never given your life to Jesus, and you need to put it under the water and accept his salvation that is purchased for you, it's it's available. And maybe you decided to come out on a cold, snowy day because you're desperate today. Nobody's looking around. I just want to ask you, if that's you today, just raise your hand right where you are. Bless you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. God bless you. I want to lead you in a prayer that just confesses and puts words to that faith that you have and what you've just put into Christ. And we're all going to pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I put it all under the water. I believe you died for me, I believe you rose from the dead, and I confess I am a sinner. But I also receive forgiveness, and now you've made me a saint. May I walk this life in honor of you, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand today. If you gave your life to Jesus, we would love to help you with your next step. You weren't called to be a loner. You're called to be a part of our family. And we want to help you. So you can scan that QR code. You can stop by the the guest desk out there. um, Or you can email us, get online. However, we just want to help you because we love you. And God has a purpose and plan. Well, friends, let's stand and we're going to close and taking communion today. Communion is, if you don't have your little cups, you can go ahead and and grab. And there's some here. There's also some in between. Communion is a. It's not an individual thing. It's a family thing. We sit at the Lord's table. He sits at the head. Here's the great thing about the Lord's table. <laughs> Just a thought. There's always room for one more. But we sit together. This represents we're to remember what he has done. And through that remembrance, one, receive healing, understanding, growth, but also we receive the understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So in our hands we hold, we hold this piece of bread that represents the body of Christ that was broken, whipped, for you. What brought you peace was upon him and he did it for you. He stood in your place and he was the perfect lamb of God and he was sacrificed for our sins. And so, Lord, today we thank you. Just thank him right where you are. Lord, thank you for your body. Thank you that in you I can find healing. Thank you that this is not about my work, it's about your work. It's not about what I do for you, it's about what you've done for me. And so Lord, I, we take a moment as a family, as you sit at our head and we remember what you've done. Let's eat together. Thank you Lord. And Lord, we hold this little juice cup that represents your blood. It was poured out for us. It was not spilt accidentally, it was poured intentionally through your obedience, Christ, on the cross. You did it for us. You endured pain because of the joy that was set before you and seeing and making us, the joy of making us a part of your family. So Lord, we, we thank you for this blood, that it is the final sacrifice. We can do nothing to pay for our own sin. You've already paid for all sin. And so we drink, celebrating that past, present, future sin has already been paid for. Let's receive together. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your family. Thank you for those who are joining online. Lord, may we go this week understanding we're not just called, but we're called to call others in your name. Amen. God bless you, friends. If you need prayer, we would love to pray with you today, with our prayer team down here. Be safe. And if you see some of our our folks who are plowing... Tell them thank you. They've been working hard. All right, God bless you. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.